Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together, Lord. We ask that as we open up your word together, Father, that you would just enlighten each and every one of us, that you would just reveal something new to each and every one of us. Father, we just pray for our prayer requests, those that have been mentioned here this morning, that you would just be with each and every one of them. And in your sovereignty, Lord, that we might glorify and honor you. These things I ask in Jesus' name, amen. I want to return this morning to Exodus, to Exodus chapter 2. It's, uh, I told someone this morning, it, uh, when I started in Exodus last week, I had no idea that the number of people I would hear pastors this week preaching from Exodus. funny how you know there's been several times since I've been pastoring that we, we the message is not the same message is ringing out throughout different places not just here and that same message is ringing out out of Exodus this week but in Exodus chapter 2, we saw last week that Pharaoh, the government, had made a demand on the midwives. And it told us there in chapter 1 that those godly women took a stand. They stood for what God's principles were. And though he dealt with them, he continued to bless Israel. So I want to I continue on this morning in chapter 2. And let's see what we find here. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as his wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when, he, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. Now, there aren't very many pretty babies. There's just not. They all look like aliens. I know, I know. But, but think for a moment, no matter who you are when you have a child, or if you have a child born into your family, it's precious to you, isn't it? And even though that mother may be, be lost and separated from God, somewhere inside of her, she knows there's a gift from somewhere. Amen. That child was a gift from God. And I don't, you can ask any mother that's ever bore a child, it was beautiful. Was it not? I haven't met the first one that when the doctor hands them their baby, they go, oh my gosh, that's ugly. I haven't found one of those. I hadn't found one of those. Because God has given a bond. 
He has he is, he is instituted a bond between that mother and that child, and there's no way on earth she's going to think anything other than that as a precious, beautiful child. So it's not uncommon that, that Moses' mother thought that he was beautiful. But it says she hid him three months. She hid him, why? Because remember in chapter 1, the male children, the government has said that the male children must be aborted. And being a God-fearing woman, she knows that that's wrong. Not only that, that's her baby, the one that God had given her that was precious and beautiful. And she was going to do whatever she possibly could to spare that child's life. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? We have some now that won't. We have some today that, that the life of a baby is not precious to. That Satan has controlled their life. That they're separated from God. And a baby's life means nothing. But not to Moses' mother. It says, And when she saw he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark and bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. Now, she, she made him a waterproof basket. And I have to believe that she knew in her heart because she was doing that and putting him by the river's bank that she knew somebody was going to find him. She had to believe that that was the best means to save her baby's life possible. She didn't just Build that and say, well, I'm going to lay him over here and whatever happens, happens. Oh. She was also, more than anything, she was being led by the Holy Spirit. Do you, not, do you think that, that that was just by happenstance? We're going to see here as we move through this chapter that, that God used all of her enemies in her life to bless that child. So, so he working inside of her urged her to put that baby where she put it. Just like he works inside of you and me to guide us and to, to help us make decisions and unless we ignore him. Sometimes we have a bad case of ignoring the Holy Spirit in our life gets us in trouble but, but she was being guided verse 4 and look, look here and his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him now his sister's gone and hid after mama places him at the side of the river and she's watching 
Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. And her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. Now, remember, Daddy has said that all Hebrew boys had to be put to death. So she's taking a chance. But something inside of her gave her compassion. But something was God working. I don't care what Satan wants to do in your life or tries to come against you in your life if God doesn't allow it it can't happen. God had a plan for Moses. He wasn't going to be killed down there at the river. He was not going to be slain. And if all the people in the world that you or I would have chosen to, to protect our baby and raise it up, it wouldn't be our enemy, would it? It wouldn't be the one that was coming against us. And, and notice here, she knew it was a Hebrew child. Why? Because he was circumcised. So, she wasn't guessing. She wasn't wondering, oh, who's, what could this baby be? She knew. And when she opened it in verse 6, she saw the child, and behold, a baby wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, and Here she comes, running out of the reeds. Shall I go and call a nurse for, for whom the Hebrew woman, from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? Now what's the chances, right? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Now, what in the world? I can tell you the only thing, the only thing you can attribute this miracle to is God. Not only did she go and hide her child by the river, not knowing what was going to take place, but now... Her enemy has found the child and she's going to pay her to raise it. When we get in circumstances in our life when we think there's no end, depend on God. She didn't know what the turnout here was how this was going to turn out. All she knew is is that that this was child was precious gift from God and that that Something inside of her told her that God was going to use this child and she had to save it in the only means that she knew how. So she goes and lays him in a basket by the river and, and sister is hiding out because her little brother has now been laid. She doesn't want anything bad to happen to her little brother. And, and all of a sudden, the, the government's 
queen, princess comes, who that must have, when she walked up to bathe in the river, I can't imagine what sister thought, oh my Lord, not her, of all people. Because they're, they're, they're wanting to kill Hebrew boys. But the, she picks it up and, and has compassion on it. Sister runs out and says, can I help? Sure. She goes and gets mama. Now mama's going to get paid to raise her own baby. I bet there was some rejoicing in that household. But God works the same way in ours. He can work the same miracles with, 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 with the trials and tribulations and circumstances that we have in our life. Does it always turn out like what we think? Absolutely not. But I promise you this, it always turns out the best for His will. Verse 9, Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew. And she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and told him in the sand. Uh, what did I say? Hit him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting, and he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? Now, even though Moses had been taken out of the Hebrew family and removed, he still was drawn to them, wasn't he? He was still drawn. Mothers and daddies, if you have raised, if you have raised your children in the ways of the Lord, they will never get away from that raising. There's something that, that will continue to speak to them no matter what paths of life they take, no, no matter what sins and what sinful attitudes they have in their life, those things in which you fed them as children will speak to them as long as they live. He was still drawn to that family, that Hebrew family. Now, he, he, been, he's been taken and raised with the pagans. I'm sure they tried to brainwash him about how awful those Hebrew people were. But they, can't, they couldn't remove that imprint on his heart.
And he went out and on the second day, and behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? Then he said, Who made you a prince or a judge over us? Do you intend to kill, kill me as you kill the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Moses had done wrong when he killed that Egyptian. He had transgressed. And now what? He's scared. He's afraid he's going to be found out. Verse 15, when Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian as set down by a well. You ever been, you ever been on that run of that... that that runaway fleeing your enemies I can just see him he gets to the well and he's perplexed and tired and he just sits down I have he comes to the well now the priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came and drew water and they filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. Now, he didn't do anything supernatural here. These shepherds, they come up and they, they run these women off. The flock is left there Moses just is nice and helps them. He, he just shows them compassion. After they've run off, he waters the flock. He didn't, wasn't expecting anything in return. But you see, even though he was perplexed and sitting at that well and probably thought God had forgotten about him and left him, and that Pharaoh was going to kill him for killing the Egyptian. You, I mean, can't you just imagine everything that's going through his mind? He's a fugitive. On the run. And because he, he, he shows these women compassion, even though they were mistreated and run off, He's going to get blessed out of it. He's going to get blessed out of it. Verse 18, When they came to Raul, their father, these women now, he said, How is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, And an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds, and he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. So he said to his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Then Moses was content to live with, uh, to live with the man, and he gave Zipporah his daughter to Moses. And she bore him a son. He called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. You ever felt like a stranger in a foreign land? 
What I want you to see here this morning is God has got his hand on Moses. Moses is going through different trials and circumstances just like you and I do. But if we are chosen as God's children, His hand will never be removed from us. That doesn't mean that we will, we will not face harsh circumstances. Just like we, we are dealing with a, a rogue government today, Moses was dealing with a rogue government. God can see His people through to the other side no matter what the government is. Period. We don't have to be scared. We don't have to fear. We have to trust in God. God's going to put Moses up for a few years. Work on him. It says, Moses was content to live with that man, and he gave Zipporah, his daughter, to Moses. And she bore him a son, and he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. And they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. He knew that they were going to groan. He was preparing Moses for what he's about to use him for. And he's not going to forget about them. We, we live in tumultuous times. And it's easy to, to, to think that God has forgotten about us. Put that thought out of your mind. What did he say about the 99 and the 1? You will not be left behind. Don't fear about being left behind. Don't fear that he has forgotten about you. If you are saved by the grace that came from Calvary, then, then you have nothing to fear. He will remember you. Nobody said it would be easy. Nobody said the walk's going to be easy. We weren't promised an easy walk. But we can share in victory. We can share in the victory. Oh, Moses. You know, just in what we've studied so far here in two weeks, just, just look at how important faithful women are. I know it may be easy sometimes for for, for you women to think you don't play a very vital role, but that's not true. You play as a, a very significant role in the life of your family and in the union to your husband. 
but faithful women. Honoring God. have made a difference so far. And continue to make a difference in all of our lives. Oh, mercy. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to, to, to get wrapped up in the things around us. And it's easy to think that we're, in, we're battling things that have never been battled before. But I challenge you, go look at Scripture. I've told you time and time again, there isn't anything that can happen today that hadn't been covered in Scripture. Sin is an attitude. Sin is sin is sin is sin. And those attitudes throughout history don't change. And God deals with those sinful attitudes today just like He did yesterday and before and before and before. Faith. Where's our faith? The Bible says it only takes the faith of a mustard seed. My faith's so weak that have you ever seen a mustard seed? There's some over there in the fellowship hall for show and tell that everybody's welcome to look at when we get done here. Tracy brought me a couple years ago or a year or so ago. Faith of a mustard seed makes me feel real bad when I think about how weak my faith is and I go look at a mustard seed. There's times when I'd like to think my faith is big as an acorn. <laughs> but reality hits pretty quick, <laughs> and I know it's not. But thank God it doesn't take much faith. Thank God that He doesn't require very much faith. The difference in that span of that mustard seed and whatever other kind of, the biggest kind of nut you can think is grace. It's grace. That's the difference. And the Bible says He'll pour out as much grace as we need to endure. What a blessing. What a blessing. That, that I know I couldn't own up and muster up enough faith to get there. But because of grace, because of that, that outpouring of grace that, that, that never runs dry, I can endure to the end. I can persevere through whatever trials and tribulations or, or governments or w w bosses or whatever that comes against me. There's enough grace to get me through. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your examples in Scripture. Father, we thank you that you never change. Change. We thank you for your sovereignty. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. And we thank you 
that just by just depending on you, we will endure to the end. I lift up our, our prayer request, Father. You know every need. Father, there's requests here this morning that were not spoken. Father, there, there may be a heart here this morning that needs salvation. That work can only be done by you. We give you the honor and glory for it. Lord, as we leave here today, I ask that you would draw each and every one of us into your word. Make us hungry for the word of God. It's amazing what we'll find when we get in the Word of God. I ask that you bless this meal, the nourishment of our body and our bodies to thy service in order that we might glorify and honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.